Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. We send money back to Africa. Remittance. Now, I know sending money back to Africa is, is a whole business. Uh, there are companies that capitalize on it. Western Union is nothing <laughs> without remittance. <laughs> it's it's that serious. Uh, and now we have uh, uh, somebody that I'm going to talk to uh, that recently, uh, well, the, the video went viral. And I think it went viral because a lot of Africans could could identify with it. They could, they could connect to it so bad uh, that it just went viral. And this is by none other is a, a Nigerian based in Australia, a motivational speaker and entrepreneur. And he dropped a, a video and he said, you know what? He actually started with, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, a proverb, a proverb as in, you know, when something with, you know, when you, when you say something, the trees uh, are witness, something like that. I will ask him in a oh, bit yeah, yeah, what yeah. it meant. Uh, and he said, you know what? There's a lot of people that are sending money back to Africa, but is it really worth it? And are you really valued uh, uh, for the things that you do for your people back home? And um, he pretty much <laughs> raised some interesting questions that I was like, you know what? Uh, this guy is really right. And looking onto his other videos, he, he went in and talked about things that you should think of before you send or, or bring in a wife from, from Africa to, to the West, all of those stuff, all of the drama <laughs> that Africans really go through. So I was like, you know what, uh, let us uh, get in touch with him to talk to us more all the way from Sydney. Uh, and let's just see, because we have him on the phone. Uh, let's just see if he hears as well. Mara, how are you doing? Hey, I'm very good. How are you? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, really? <laughs> you were probably laughing on the other line. You were like, ha, I, I got these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I absolutely love yeah. it. Absolutely love it. How, how, was, your, how was your Sunday? Because you are actually ahead of time. And people, I, have to, I had to interrupt your sleep because it's like 6 a.m., right? Monday. Monday. Yeah, it's about, uh, it's Monday morning now in Australia, 6, 16 a.m., Oh wow! My Sunday was good. Uh, no more church and work in my family. That's yeah. That's yeah, good. very good. Did you work out? Because I know you're 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 kind of like my co-host Donnie. You work out like five days of the week. <laughs> yeah, I worked out. Yeah, I, I work. I try to do six days. Um, yeah, so yeah, I work out Monday to Saturday. Take a Sunday off. Sometimes I sleep on a Sunday. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's Monday morning. So it's back. It's, I'm back to the gym again after this interview oh wow yeah that that's some serious yes. serious motive on a <laughs> motivational note yeah it, it, it is it is serious because um you know many many people think going to the gym or working out is just to look good but if a doctor tells you that you know you got you have fatty liver or you got you got a problem with your health and you need to reduce weight mm -hmm. then i think going to the gym is very very important it becomes important to you then absolutely so it really yeah. becomes a part of life basically yes Yes, it is. Our, our ancestors, they worked out every day. Is it? Our ancestors went to the farm. Yeah, our ancestors went to the farm. They walked They, they walked long distances to the farm. Mm -hmm. You know, then they, we didn't have any plows or any bulldozers like we have today. Our ancestors had holes and shovels, and they worked out every day. Right. And if you look at the history of African ancestors, they lived longer, 110, 120 years, 130 years. It was all because of exercise, and yeah. 130 years 
we have we had we had we had um, our ancestors who lived long. Mm-hmm. We had people even even in our time and day. We had, there's a, when I was in Nigeria, I remember there's this woman from my mother's tribe. She lived up to 120. Yeah, wow. people live long, even to this day. Yeah, so we live. Our ancestors lived long. I love that. That that's a piece of education yeah. that I really didn't yes. know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there are books on these things like the miseducation of the Negro, um, the black man and his history. There are books on, all, on, on these things um, that talk about African ancestors and the, and the words that they said. So when you read things like that, you get more educated and more enlightened on, on how our ancestors lived. Right. And that is really, it's really yeah. evident in uh, your pursuit of life, basically. Yes, yes. I'm a big, I'm a big believer of African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that our ancestors were given wisdom directly from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you if you read when King Leopold wrote the letter to the missionaries when they came to Congo, there was a word in the letter he said. He said, um, you, you cannot teach these people about God. This they already know. For they submit to a deity called Unzambo and Ungai. So you cannot teach them about God. They already know. So I believe that our ancestors, they had wisdom or directly given to them by God Almighty. But because a lot of history have been lost over the years and um, African people have been told that uh, our history is demonized, rather than us to to really sit down and find out what is it that made that, why why was Africa called Al-Kebulan? Why was it called the mother of mankind? What, what, what's, what, when the Illuminati talks about the Egyptian king passing a scroll to a Greek on the floor, what, what are all these things? When you, when you begin to research into African history and our ancestors, you'll be amazed at the kind of wisdom that they had and how they lived their lives. I love that. I love that. So, um, a preach, <laughs> uh, b- before we're going to go more into that, like I've known, you know, I've watched a couple of videos, uh, from you absolutely love it. Definitely the angle, uh, that you bring into, uh, topics that, you know, that really concern African people, uh, especially living abroad. Um, I know you as a motivational speaker, which is really evident in that short piece that you even shared. Um, tell us a bit more of who you are, you know, where you're from, what even brought you to Sydney? Like, uh, give us an idea of who Mare is. <laughs> okay, Mare. Um, my name is, my full name is Ahimare Obo. Uh, Ahimare means God decides my faith or God decision. And um, I, was born in, I, I was born in Nigeria, uh, a family of seven. I'm the sixth of the seven children. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my father um, was a banker, was a top uh, banker for one of Nigeria's, uh, his then was called the New Nigeria Bank. And my mother uh, was a teacher. Um, when I was five years old, my father passed away in a That's very amazing. ghastly motor accident. Yeah, it's like how many years now? Mm-hmm. And then, yes, yeah, so I was raised by my mother. Um, I finished my university in 2006. I studied at the University of Nigeria in Suka. And after, you know how Africa is, I got a job as a banker. And um, Yeah, very important. Uh, yeah, it's very important. And I, got, I lost that job because I did something wrong. Actually, I cheated in my, when I was doing my training because I didn't really know anything about mathematics. So I found a way to get around it, and I was caught, and I was fired. Oh. Um, after that, yeah, yeah, I, I'm very happy to say it because it's the past now. <laughs> <laughs> of right. course. So you know. now you can really <laughs> yeah, talk about it about and be joking, it, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an inspiration as well, you know. So yeah, so 
Uh, I then tried to do a bit of music. I didn't. I released an album. Didn't really do much. So, due to the frustration, I told my mother. I said, you know, I need to get get out of here. Mm. And my mother was like, where do you want to go? I told her, uh, uh, maybe the U.S. And she refused. You didn't want me to go to the U.S. Okay. And then when I talked about Australia, I said, oh, yeah, Australia. I like Australia. Where about in Australia? Sydney. And then so I came to Australia. I studied um, um, Sydney, um, a Sydney film school. I uh, have a diploma in movie, in film, in film and television. Right. And after that, after that, I studied also for a diploma in IT. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just finishing up my master's in um social work so yeah social work so That's you went me. from media to to social work yeah life you know where we, <laughs> we found a place where we can find a job quickly and where we can impact <laughs> where we can impact our, our work quickly uh film and television is a very competitive um, place yeah um so i don't think um uh, i have that fight yet but although I, I believe i would like to get back on the screen but um yeah we just have to look for a way that we can balance the day-to-day life and social work was good it's good for me to to get into i see i love that yeah. i love that and it, it's working for you pretty much mm. on youtube <laughs> yes it, it is it is working for me at the moment i manage i'm a manager for a program called impacted services so we look after kids that are out of home care um, so children who have been disadvantaged from maybe children um, taken away from abusive homes so my company will look after them. So I'm responsible for the um, intake. I'm responsible for uh, finances, rosters, um, budgeting, uh, staff appraisals. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is big. It is. <laughs> Thank you. Very impactful, uh, you. I would say. So yeah. uh, you know, navigating yeah. through through everything, you came to Sydney. What helped you uh, finally make decisions, as in terms of what to do? Uh, discovering what what your thing is, what helped you get to where you are now, as in terms of decision making? I think um, my life experiences made me what I am today. Uh, uh, the challenges that I faced, I was a I was a man who went through a lot of challenges early in my life, a lot of pain, a lot of um, disadvantages, a lot of, of hurt, and rather than rather than um, make that break me what i decided to do was to use it as a motivation to make my decision so because of what i experienced in my life i never want to be there so that's my reason why i wake up in the morning so my daily decisions are centered around you know you've gone through this pain rather than be bitter about it you got to be better about it so everything that i do i'm like okay is this going to move me to my to a better version of myself mm-hmm. then i re- then i realize um the pains of my past I bring my, the pains of my past into it, not to bring any painful feelings back, but to see if the decisions I'm making today, would it bring me back to this pain or would it improve my life? So yeah, my, my life experiences have been the basis of my decisions. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and tell us a bit about the period that you came to uh, Australia. Cause one thing that I always talk uh, about, especially to my diasporans is the cultural differences. Uh, some people, uh, it leaves frustration with some people, but with some people, they kind of take it to their advantage, dependent mm. dependent on the, on their on their sector, and you know their mm. their their working experience and things, and also their their network. Um, so tell yes. us a bit about when you got to Australia. How was your first day there, and uh, dealing with cultural differences? How did how was that for you? Um, yeah, thank you for that. That's a very interesting question. Like Sydney is. Um, 
is a multicultural place. There are places where if I go in Sydney and I take a picture, people say, are you in Asia? Uh, are you in India? Are you in, you know, it's a very, it's a very big a multicultural city. Um, when I came here, my mind was very, very bad. This is my first time being overseas. So when I came to Australia, uh, I couldn't, I didn't have a shower for two days. Oh, uh, wow. because um, <laughs> because I didn't know, I didn't know how to use the tap. You know, in Africa, I would just put on the tap and the water is all cold. Yeah. But here, when you put on the cold water, it's very cold. Mm. And I, I didn't know you had to turn the cold and the heat together to make give it that warm. You know? Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know. I was like, what? Well, imagine how could how could a man like me not even? I didn't know that. You know, so <laughs> the struggle is so real. <laughs> Yeah, so I told one of the girls at the reception because I was living in a backpackers in Australia. I call it the backpackers, it's like a hostel. Okay. And I explained to her, you know, and she's like, okay. Oh, she laughed and she walked up and then she showed me how to use the shower. It was very funny. <laughs> and then uh, I went to a, rest, a Thai restaurant to, to eat um, chicken fried rice because you know Thai they, they have they're close to African in the terms of their, their food. Yeah. And so. The girl was like thirteen dollars per minute. What, what do you mean for, for this meal, thirteen bucks? <laughs> you know, I was like unbelievable because I came here by myself. You know, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, adapting into Australia, I had to look for a few African people. You know, and then you know to show me the ropes. Yeah, you know, to teach me what to do, what not to do, and yeah, I was fortunate to meet a few good ones. Although I met horrible ones, but okay. I met a few good ones who, who you know help me to flow into the community and then today i just you know i just i just live just live so yeah. so, so mari you moved there by yourself i moved here by myself funny enough man it was the most courageous decision I've, i ever made in my life you know on a one-year visa with no intention to return back to nigeria no family, <laughs> no, no, no family to support me here i said a lady asked me who, who are you going to meet when you get to australia so right. god I said I'll meet God. I said I said to myself. I said you know what? I, and you know it's it's very funny. My migration when I when I remember when I remember how I came to this country and where I am today, I really say that if you really if you say to yourself that either I succeed or I die, if you're able to use that word, so mm -hmm. I believe God will move. Mm -hmm. That's my belief. Because right. when I got on the when I got on the plane, the lady asked me, um, "So who are you going to stay with when you get to Australia?" I said, "No one." She said, "What?" And she told her husband. She said. This guy has nobody in Australia. I said, I don't have anyone. How are you going to survive? I said, God. Yeah, I said, God. I was ready to to sleep under the bridge. I was ready to do anything. But I knew I knew for sure that I wasn't returning back to Nigeria just just yet. Yeah, just yeah. yet. Yeah. That that's a good yeah. determination, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Had you traveled yeah. before? Yeah. Have you been to abroad? Um... I have. I have never, but now I'm well traveled. But before then, I had never traveled out. So Australia was my first migration journey. Yeah. Well, why Australia? So I, I still can't <laughs> get. Where did, you, where did you get the inspiration, like Australia, from? Yeah. Australia? Okay. Um, there was a time when I was back in Nigeria. Then when I was going through my my tough times, and um, mm -hmm. I was uh, my one of my mom's tenants came to talk to me, and he's like, "Why don't you go to Australia?" I was like, "Australia." I've never really thought about it because African Nigerians don't really think about Australia. Yeah. We're mostly into yeah. America, Europe, you know. Same with Ghanaians. Uh, yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we don't think far into Australia. I didn't really know much. It's like you know, 
There's some people that live there, they're doing well, you know, they have, they're doing very, I'm like, oh, they're doing well, okay, what do they do? You know, how is the economy like this? I never, I never really heard about Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I started researching about their migration policies, and I saw that their migration was not as difficult as some other countries are, mm-hmm. um, where they had, they had um, a policy where if you study this course, you can get your permanent residency. You know, there were different mm-hmm. pathways. Yeah. So it was easier than, than UK at the time, where UK was uh, after studying, you have to return back to your home country, you know, things like, like that. So that was what brought me here. But yeah, but to my greatest amazement, when I came to Australia, I found that, that African people in this country were doing very well, mm-hmm. were doing marvelously well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, wow, you know, okay. So it was a good choice. And mm-hmm. uh, my mother, being a high school teacher then, um, you know, there was a time Australian government were looking for teachers back in the day, she told me, and they came to Africa as well. African people applied for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she said one, um, some, of, some of her colleagues went there as teachers and they came back and took their families. So she always told me, she said, Mary, my heart is in Australia. She made that statement to me, my heart is there. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, did your, so did your mom eventually come along? I've, I've begged her to come here. I've begged her. I've, throughout last year, I begged her to come. <laughs> uh, what happened was a friend of hers A friend of hers came here and told her, Australia is very far. Ah, my leg was so swollen on the plane. Oh. I couldn't stand it, man. It's so far. And my mother, being 75, said, no, 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 no. All I'm right. not coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. They say it's We're quite the negotiating. Distance. Okay. It is far. It's far. Australia is far from everywhere. Yeah. It is far from everywhere. Definitely, definitely. I love that. Well, on that note, um, you gave us so good information about how Mare Obo ended up <laughs> in Australia mm-hmm. and the and the journey yeah, uh, to yeah. you to you so far. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, yes. Let's go listen to a song and then we will be right back and talk about you know you as a motivational speaker. You also have a book out, um, and and yes. also we're just gonna talk about what led you to go and talk about listen people Africans. Let's just stop uh, sending money. <laughs> back to Africa, uh, or at least you you helped Africans to reconsider their decision uh, as to when to support yes. their family. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, but first, let's uh, listen to okay. a song uh, by Kwame Eugene collaborating with uh, Sakodia. Then we'll be right back and talk some more with, uh, with our lovely guest, uh, Mare. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank you. And here is where I share success stories from Africans one by one. Every week, I make sure I get to invite somebody on the show uh, or maybe even through the telephone line to talk to us about how we can achieve success, how we can broaden our horizon uh, and our approach to life. In the meantime, I just want to give a couple of shout outs uh, to people that have taken their time out to tune into the show. Uh, Enes Dako, shout out to you. Uh, and also uh, Latif, Latif, long time, long time. Uh, so good to hear from you and uh, good to see that you're tuning in. Uh, and also uh, Evelyn uh, Bangfo, uh, shout out to you for tuning in right now. Um, we are talking about sending money back to Africa with our special guest, uh, Mare Obo, who is a, a, a motivational speaker and entrepreneur based in Sydney, Australia. Yes, we've interrupted his morning to come and uh, talk to us uh, here on uh, High Radio. And I have him on the telephone. Listen, this is somebody I could talk to like for hours. Uh, he even started up with Proverbs and I was like, oh, snap, he's <laughs> spitting truth right now. Uh, and, and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so I'm here with my co-host, Donnie. Uh, you have a question for him, actually. Um, 
because you want to know more. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Brother Murray. Yes. Hi. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, what got yeah. you into? Because you've been reading some books on African history, and yeah. so what? 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 What intrigued you, or what inspired you to, to um, get more knowledge? Uh, when it comes to uh, the Africans or the African identity, etc., etc. Yeah, it, yeah. You see, um, thank you very much for this question. Um, if you really look at the spectrum of the world today, you would see that the black man, the black race, is the most disrespected race in the world. Absolutely. You know, and if you, yeah, if you look at it, and then when you look at when 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 you look at, look at things like that, you find out that. The benefit of that is that it brings us together. It brings us to a self-awareness. Now, for so long, we've been made to believe that our our, our African DNA or African ancestry is demonized, is satanic, mm-hmm. it's evil, and so it is scared a few African people to go deep and research about themselves. Mm-hmm. What made me in tune with the African light was one time I was listening to African beats. I was trying to get the motivation in my spirit. So I was listening to African drums. And when the drums began to play, I began to feel within myself some kind of power, some kind of, I couldn't explain what the power was. Mm. And so I was reading, I was reading through the comments on the YouTube and it said, somebody commented and said, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't know what these drums are. These drums, they're staring something inside of me. And then the person replied and said, your ancestors are trying to connect with you. When I, when I saw that, I said, oh, you know, mm. out of the fear again, it's, it may be demonized, so I cut it off. Yeah. And so what, this thing may sound very weird, but one day I was sleeping at night. Okay. And then I heard a voice inside of me. I heard a voice inside of me that told me, Mari, wake up. Your ancestors want to talk to you. Mm. Okay. It was very strange. I was like, oh, I, I said this to a friend of mine and he said, I, I'm, not part of this. <laughs> I'm not part of this. I don't want to hear about this, but it was true. He said, your ancestors want to speak to you. Get up. So I got up. I came outside. And then how would they speak to me? You know, so I went through Facebook and I went through Facebook. The first person I went to was a high school mate of mine um, in my day. And she shared the story of an African ancestor called Emuta. And when I read her story, I was amazed about the inspiration that I could draw from my life. Mm. You know, so when I began to, then I began to find, read books about the miseducation of the Negro, um, the black DNA. Started reading books, I am black, I'm proud. Mm-hmm. Started reading all these books. I started to see that we as African people were the beginning of life, were the beginning of religion, were the beginning of everything. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when someone, you know, when you're being attacked, when your group of people are being attacked and they decide to say, you know, well, why, why are we being attacked? Let's come together. You don't realize that. Why is, why are black people attacked? Why are black people disrespected? It's because black people hold the ball. We are the ones holding the ball. We are the future. So the reason why we're being attacked and being, being ridiculed is to make sure we never get to think of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's to spend our whole life, a whole generation of people not knowing who they are but i believe that if if every african in this world gets to know who you are you would never bow down to anybody was this you in uh w- um, did this happen in uh, in sydney or in africa in back yeah. back in uh, nigeria in sydney, yeah. in sydney. No, no, it, it happened it happened in sydney you know what my brother i'll tell you african history is not in africa it is here african history is not in africa African history was stolen out of Africa mm-hmm. and it's in the Western world. 
written in plain print. If you want to know more about African history, you have to leave Africa and come to the Western world and get experience of Africa, know the truth about Africa, know the invasion of Africa, know how religion was introduced to Africa, know the scams of religion, and know how you can move yourself forward and how you can have a deep connection with God. Okay, and did this um, um, knowledge, um, um, has it changed your perception of um, where you come from? And also, has it changed your way you interact with the continent of uh, Africa. Yes, it has changed. Um, it, it has changed and sometimes it scares me. Hmm. It scares me. In what way? The book of, of, of um, 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 Proverbs says that, it says that too much knowledge worries the soul. It worries the soul. Hmm. Too much knowledge. So the more you know about Africa, the more you become afraid. The more you become afraid, you're like, I don't want to commit blasphemy. I don't want to sin against the Holy Spirit. Right. I'm worried from the things because the more you begin to know about it, you'll mm-hmm. be like, wow, wow. You know what I mean? So, yes, it has changed the way that I I, 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 um, I connect with African people. Like when people tell me now, Mario, are you a Christian? I will tell them I'm a believer of Jesus. Okay. I don't answer that question. I don't tell them. I don't tell them I'm not a Christian. I told them I believe in Jesus. That's all I told them. Right. Why? Why can't you say I'm a Christian? Why? Why can't you say you're a Christian? I told them, Why are you a Christian? Most of most of us are Christians or Muslims because we were born into the family. We're raised to be Christians. To be Christians. Yeah. We go to church on Sunday, but most of us don't have that relationship with Jesus Himself. True. Mm. If you look at the people, if you look at Jesus and the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings be upon him, if you look at these two people, they were not religious people. No. There were people who had a relation, they had a relationship with the creator. Mm-hmm. And so man took their lifestyle and made a religion out of it. Mm. You see, so, and Jesus always talked to the, 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 the um, Pharisees and always told them that they were liars. They're religious people. Jesus always fought against religion. He fought against it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and the people who in the fourth year of the prophet of muhammad ibn abdullah peace and blessings be upon him you will see that that year he was when he was being um attacked and ridiculed by people these people who were killing muslims were religious they they thought they were doing it in the service of god so my my understanding of african religion of african people was that wow we had our own way that we connected with god mm-hmm. we had our own way that we that we that we, and god was in our midst Mm-hmm. Because if God was not in our midst, we couldn't have built the pyramid. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have built the great walls in um, in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. If God was not in our midst, we don't have doctors. African people were the first surgeons in the world. Mm-hmm. We were the first surgeons. We, we we conducted brain surgery without even the modern technology today. Mm-hmm. And but when the when the Westerners came in, they're like, how do we break these people? How do we destroy these people? How do we invade these people? Okay, let us intrigue, let us make them believe that their religion is demonic, but our religion is superior. This is the strategy of the colonial masses. And so far till today, it has worked well. So, I, w- I would know, say and, so. And there's a speech that, okay. Definitely Sorry. say so. No problem, no problem. Yeah. Um, so before we get into this, because we're going to know some more about, you know, what's really uh, a behind or actually your motivation for creating these videos because basically what you what you are sharing 
you're sharing uh, um, you're sharing a bit of history and you're actually connecting it to our modern uh, modern day of living that's really that's what I what I see is the core of what you do um, so let's go yes. back to how this how this YouTube uh, content sharing started and how did this lead you to talk about uh, sending money back to Africa to really think about that how did that all begin um, I started speaking at work. Uh, the whole thing started at work. I was, you know, then I was a disability support worker and I was working with this Kenyan guy, um, Vin Vinny Keegan. And he, when we were talking, talking, I was, you know, talking. He said to me, Mary, you know, you can really talk. Why don't you take this as a profession? Right. I was like, oh, come on, man. You know, we're just like, no, he said, serious, man. You have power in your voice. But then we brushed it, you know, down the drain. And then so one day I was um, also with an Aboriginal man um, by the name of Graham Mooney. And he works for the prime minister. He works at, at the prime minister's office. And then I was going through a challenge with my education. Then and I, I, I approached him, and he said to me, "You have so much power in your voice. You know, you can be a motivational speaker. You can speak to your community. So, you know, when God wants to speak, you know, He uses two or three witnesses." Mm -hmm. So I'm like, "Okay, so what do I do?" And he said, "You can use your life experience and be a motivation to your people." Mm -hmm. You know, and so I was then listening to one one Ghanaian great uh, preacher, Mensa Otabio, mm -hmm. and he was talking about gifts and callings. And I was like, wow, okay, okay, okay. So this speaking is a gift, but I need to call myself into the African community. So I called myself into the community. Some yeah. people have this and they go preach the gospel. Some have the gift and they go into fighting a cause. You know, they call themselves into saving uh, feminism. They call themselves into speaking for um, keeping animals. Mm -hmm. But I called myself to speak for my community. Right. Yeah. So that's how the whole thing started. Your community um, you mean the community based in Africa or also um, the African community you might have um, come across uh, based on uh, Sydney. Diaspora. No, African community worldwide. Worldwide. African oh. community born in Africa, and African community in diaspora. I started with diaspora because that's what I could relate to. Yeah. But, you know, as time went by, when people began, began to send me messages and call me on the phone and I, I began to hear people's life stories, mm -hmm. I was like, God almighty, what have I called myself into? <laughs> Wow, you know, yeah. Got it. So how did how did the the subject about sending money back to Africa uh, come about? For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we're talking to uh, Mario Bo, who's uh, uh, his his video on uh, what Africans should think about before sending money back to Africa. Uh, he 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 placed it online, and a lot of people picked it up and reshared it so much uh, because you know they they could identify with what Mario was saying. Uh, a lot of the the problems that come with it, sending that money back to Africa, is mm. come so familiar. Um, so that is pretty much what is out there, and all of the content was uh, so strong. Uh, how did you even come to that subject? Um, I came to that subject because um, I began to, you know, even within myself, and look at African people who live in diaspora and see the way we live here. Some of us have so bad credit. Okay, just to give you a few <laughs> bit about myself as well, is before I became a house manager, before I became a coordinator for out-of-home care, I worked as a prison officer. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I worked in maximum prison. I was a prison officer for corrective services, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. So while I worked at the, in, uh, in the prison, I saw, I met African people who told me their story, how they got involved in drugs mm-hmm. and, you know, they have family problems, want to settle this family issue and all that. And then moving forward, seeing, seeing the way we live here, you know, we don't, most of us don't have investments. We don't have life insurance. Some of us are struggling to pay rent. Yeah. And then I researched, I found that, that in Nigeria alone, just Nigeria alone, in the year 2018, mm-hmm. $24 billion was paid into the country but from, from foreign, from foreign um, remittance. Mm-hmm. So from African people, leave, Nigerians only, you wow. know, sending money to Nigeria, in 2018 yeah. was $24 billion. Was so how, how come... Yeah. yeah. So how come people are people are still in Africa, still poor, and there's so much deposit <laughs> into the continent? Yeah. And this is not from oil. This is not from cocoa or gold. This is from African people sending money home. How come that we were able to send 24 billion dollars, and yet the people are still poor? Then I discovered that African our African people in Africa are a consuming generation. Absolutely. So <laughs> when you send when you send when you when you send when you send five hundred dollars to Nigeria, that's currently now that's about one hundred and twenty thousand. Twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand naira right. goes to drinking at the, at the club. That's it. Like a table on Friday night. Gosh. The clubs are packed out. It's unbelievable how people yeah. complain about the economy, but yet the, the cost of alcohol and drugs, the market is flourishing. Mm-hmm. And then the population of young girls who have now gone into prostitution in Nigeria has so much has increased so much. Yeah. So who 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 are their customers? You know, if if the, if the if the business was not booming, there wouldn't be a growth in the industry. So for there to be a growth in prostitution at the moment, it means that there's patronage. Where is the money coming from? It's coming from Africans who are working double jobs in Western countries, sending money to their relatives to look after themselves, and those relatives are living the life. Mm-hmm. So they live even longer, happier, than you who are here working 95 and the 40 10. So I then did a video and I said, you know, African people, listen, I'm not saying don't send money to Africa. Right. I'm telling you to apply wisdom, to apply wisdom. Mm-hmm. Because our ancestors told, told us, they told us that I was reading this book about African ancestry, and there was this quote from um, what's this, what's what's her, Patrice Lumumba, and he said, "Whenever you see an old man who is working in his old age, mm-hmm. what you see before you was a young man who played with his resources." Mm-hmm. You know, so that proverb alone tells you, "Wow, okay, so now that I'm young, now that I'm strong." I don't have to joke with my resources. What can we do as African people? Yeah, that's a, that's a good. Keep something for yourself. Pay yourself. Yeah, pay yourself first. Then whatever is left, send money to your family. But remember <laughs> that you're not God, and you cannot play the role of God. Yeah, you cannot do. You cannot be. You cannot be. He. You, can, you can't do his job. Doing if you if you want to if, if if it's so hard doing your own job than mm-hmm. doing God's job, you know what I mean. So look after yourself first. Have investments for yourself first because if you don't help yourself, you cannot help any other person. And that video caused a lot of trouble. A lot of a lot of my, even as much as it went viral, yeah. it brought a lot of backlash to me. Yeah. I got insulted. 
Oh wow! I got, I got, yeah, I got insulted from Africans yep. living in even Africans living in diaspora, because I don't blame them. I don't blame them because Jesus Christ was the person who made the greatest speech. Jesus made the greatest speech on the mount. And after that speech, the Bible recorded that people mocked and laughed. Mm -hmm. People hated. And the other verse said, and people believed. So this, his, his speech was for people who believed. And that speech was for people who, who it was meant for. But people sent me messages, told me, uh, cursed me. I was ungrateful for what my, my, my family did for me. You know, I had to call my brother in Dubai and say, look, I wasn't doing that video for my family. I was doing the video, you know, for everyone. Yeah. You know, so it's still a, a, a lot of, a lot of tension. Yeah. So it was definitely yeah. uh, uh, raising some discussions uh, everywhere. Basically, that's what it was doing. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, some people felt like their, their business had done bad. Like I've spoke their show. Some yeah. people felt I blocked their source of income. You know, some because <laughs> yeah. Well, so some people didn't they, they didn't like it, so they cursed they cursed me out. Yeah. One said to me, "If you were my brother, I could have I could have beat the beaten the hell, the hell out of you. Oh, wow. You are not, you know, you're not a good person." Yeah, I got all that kind of threats. Yeah, yeah but it's but it's normal. It's normal. Did, did you did you yeah. um, anticipate the uh, the backlash though? Like, um, oh, do you understand I, 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 where it every, comes from or? Where it's, you know, where yeah, it is coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, every video that I've ever done, yeah. I've always had backlash. When when the French prime minister came to us to Nigeria, mm -hmm. I did a speech uh, against him and I got threatened, like international threat. Like, you know what I mean? I got, so everything that you do- That's pretty serious. Has a backlash. Yeah, everything you do has a backlash. So what you need to do is you need to live your life because if you speak, you will die. If you don't speak, you will die. So why don't you just speak? You know what I mean? So you just do what you gotta do. So that's just the main thing. It, it does depend um, so, on, on when you what you're speaking um, to or against. Yeah. Well, in this case, I, I, this is how I see it. Um, um, so the video where you were, um, or the backlash where it is coming from, is is the fact that um, um, people, or let's say uh, parents back home mm. and even in the in diaspora, they feel like you. Mm. You uh, you speaking against um, tradition, African culture, where mm. we the parents yeah. when you are yeah exactly so because they brought you up and they gave you life and of course in the African yeah. culture in African tradition that it's that is um, the reason why you don't speak against your uh, your your mm. parents. So with that alone, yeah. when you and when they've given you, this is how they see you, they've given you the opportunity to travel to Sydney. Mm. Then this is not a video yeah. they want you to mm. uh, to be making now yeah. because it's it's you know it counts. It sounds like you you're really going in <coughs> against the whole uh, tradition, and this is not the way uh, uh, they raise you. What what did your um, your your parents or I mean your mom um, actually uh, has has she responded to this video? Um, I did. I did speak to her after the video, and then she's like, "Yes, you know, I watch your video about sending money to Africa." My mother has always been, has always told me not to live my life for people. Okay. You know, God bless my mm -hmm. mother. She's never been depending on me per se. But I wanna, I wanna clar clarify something with you, uh, my brother. You said something about African um, our culture. Yeah. It is not, uh, it is not an African culture for a parent to look after a child to look after his parents. Oh. It's not an African culture. It is an introduced culture from poverty. Our ancestors left wealth for their children's children. 
That's mm-hmm. why our ancestors had lands, they had farms, and they'll say the senior son owns everything, mm-hmm. but he will give this and this to their to the younger ones. Our our ancestors were wealth creators. Our ancestors. That's why, uh, the, like, if you look at the, the invasion of Egypt in the, the, uh, the invasion of North Africa, mm-hmm. you would see that the African kings, the, who we, the, we, the, they were called the Nubians. The Nubian kings, they spoke of versatile languages. Yeah. They spoke a lot of languages. They were educated people. They traded. They traded. They sold. So our ancestors, they created a platform for the younger generations to come. But when poverty was introduced into the continent by, by you know, the colonial invasion, that's mm-hmm. what modified. That's what that's what modified the mindset. The thing that oh, parents, children must look after their parents. No, no, no. It's not an African culture. It is a, an introduced culture. Right. Yes, we are. We are. We are good people. We are good people. We look after our parents when they are old. Mm-hmm. And the video that I did didn't didn't say stop sending money to Africa. The video that I did was listen. Save something for yourself. Start keeping an annuity because mm. a day will come in your life where you will not have the strength you have now, yeah. you know, to continue to provide, to do double. A time will come where you will be old. And when you're old, your needs don't stop. Wow. Your needs continue. And yeah. sometimes the cost of living will be even higher than what you, what you are now. So begin to make deliberate, conscious effort to put something away from aside for yourself. Settle your family here before you worry about sending money back to Africa. And I use the tree as an example. I use the tree as a witness. And that was symbolic as well. When I use that tree as a witness. You know, yeah, can you repeat that one? I, uh, yeah. Can, can you repeat that African uh, proverb or the, um, the, the saying with the tree? Which? Being the a African, using yeah, usually the tree was, is a symbol. When I said, this, this tree bears me witness. Um, mm. Our ancestors, they connected so much with nature, yeah. so much with nature. And, and that is reflected in the Aboriginal community here in Australia and also the Africans in Brazil, mm-hmm. they connect so well with nature. And if you trace the Bible steps, when Jesus Christ cursed the tree, the tree spoke and Jesus got answered to the tree. Everything you see in this world, every tree, the birds, the leaf, everything you see, mm-hmm. they're all living things. They all talk. They all bear witness. They all do everything. Our ancestors believed in that. Mm-hmm. That was why there was a story about uh, a man who who could not keep a secret and he ran to, he, could, he couldn't keep it anymore. He ran to a tree and spoke, spoke the, 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 said the gossip to the tree and the tree was cut down to be the whistle. And the first person who blew the whistle was blowing all the secrets out. That's a proverb that says that trees talk, mm-hmm. trees communicate. So when you say, I use this tree to bear witness with you, for, uh, that I've shared this, this wisdom with you, it's symbolic that the whole world can see that even, an, even a tree knows that this wisdom is profitable for you to learn. And if you say in the future that I wasn't told, you know, I wasn't told when calamity befalls people who didn't take that wisdom, and they are old, and they can't survive. They can't. They can't take care of themselves anymore. This tree will bear witness that I told you this. Mm. It's just a symbolic thing that what we think doesn't matter does matter. Mm. I like that one. I love that. Um, well, on that note, uh, we're almost uh, getting into the last uh, few minutes of talking to uh, Mario Bo, who is a motivational speaker and entrepreneur. Well, it's definitely evident why he's a motivational speaker. <laughs> Um, for those of you that are listening, if you uh, have some last questions or remarks to drop, make sure that you uh, drop them. 
Um, as we are talking to him, uh, he is someone that is uh, likes to spread <laughs> messages that are thought-provoking, but also very um, educational, or I am even educated, uh, learning uh, that, you know, uh, children taking care of their parents is not actually an African thing, mm. but it's moreover, uh, mm. uh, more of a poverty thing. Uh, that kind of mm. yeah became widespread and it's it's kind of strong also uh, in the diaspora. Um, so one thing that I really like to know from you, Mare, uh, is you know you have a book out. Uh, can you share uh, yeah. one or two uh, uh, about what people can find uh, more mm -hmm. of you uh, about your book, and then closing off with your uh, words of advice to people that are listening. I have kind of a young audience in the diaspora that are on their way mm. to navigating you know, figuring out who they are and what they really want to do. Yeah. Uh, so your words yeah. of advice is how to keep the motivation going and uh, also yeah. uh, uh, shortly about what to find in your book. And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Uh, my book is titled The Keys to Successful Migration. And currently the book is selling widely. And it's unfortunate that most the people who mostly buy my book are Asians. And every time I look at, every time I get a, a, a sale, notification that oh someone has bought your book is always from asia india mexico yes more than even the african people who need the motivation themselves and it's 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 painful that you know because but it's actually you know they said something that whenever you want to hide an information i was about to say that one put in the book it's unfortunate and yeah and we are the it, it, but, but my brother it's not our fault because we are not wired that way. Wow. You know, our ancestors never wrote books. What we had, we had elders who sat on a tree and gave tales by moonlight. You know, right. we had people who were passing true stories. So when the colonial masters came in, they killed all these people. None of them lived. They okay. killed all of them in a bid to erase history. So that is, that, that's the reason why they we, we, we're not like that. But we need to not change that way because the world is changing. We need to change that way. And so in this book, you, you can find information about God and migration, God's, God's idea of migration. Um, you find the best countries you need to, to migrate to. It talks about um, migration agents. Uh, it talks about being ex not being exploited for migration. It talks about shutting up your mouth till your, till your vision comes to life. Okay. And, all, and, and this book is only sold for a dollar. I know. I saw it was 99 cents. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, like, are you serious? <laughs> is this really 99 cents? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's yeah, so cheap buying, because yeah, yeah, the, free, the yeah. money, the money, yeah, it's almost free, but then people wouldn't even buy it. Like, Africans wouldn't even buy it, but Asians are buying it. Mm. Indians are buying it. Like, I've got reviews from India telling me how this book transformed their life. People from, from South Korea, yeah. I'm like, wow, buying the, buying the book. But there's a proportion of African people from Lagos, from Ghana, from um, Sierra Leone who have purchased this book, but it's not compared to it's the volume prominent. of people. Yeah, yeah, wow. to the people in other countries, and this and African people are exploited through migration a lot, yeah. a lot. Yeah. There are, I, I, I got a call from one of our sisters in Oman. I, I don't know how I can reach. I don't know if I can write if I should write to the Ghanaian High Commission or I don't know how mm -hmm. to get it. She called me that she was crying. She said, "My brother helped me that they, she's been raped. They rape her, and then they she's oh. become a sexual tool." And then people who run away, they die. I was like, wow, but why did you, I said, oh, why did you go to Oman of all countries? Yeah. And she's like, someone came to her, someone came to her saloon in Ghana and told her that, that, you know, there's, there's, she can make a lot of money in Oman. So mm. without any prior, yeah, without any prior information, 
you know, because African people are the only ones who migrate without without information. If you look at the United States Bureau, um, the FBI sites, and all the all the um, immigration sites, they'll say citizens of America, please avoid traveling to Nigeria. There's Boko Haram attack. Avoid traveling to this area. They have information to pass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to their people. Of course. But we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. We just we migrate because we are desperate. We are we are escaping. That's the, that's the word that we use. So yeah. that book is a guide. It's a guide for you to know where you need to go, to know God's thought about it, to know what your ancestors think about it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, my, and migration is a human right. It's a basic human right. You have a right to live in any place, in any part of the world you want to live in. You have a right, but. You need to go the right way. That's where that's where the book comes. So it's available on my Facebook page. Just click on the um, shop now icon, and yeah. it takes you straight to the book. Yeah. It's only so for a dollar. I've shared it yeah. along. And then you ask, yeah, your yeah. your words your words of advice uh, to young people that are listening out there. Okay, yeah, um, to young people who are immigrants, who are fresh immigrants like me, I was a fresh immigrant nine years ago. <laughs> fresh. I'll tell you something, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you something. Don't ever forget your why. Don't ever forget the reason why you migrated. My reason was because my father passed away when I was five years old, and I saw my mother suffer immensely. Mm -hmm. My mother went through the most horrible mental abuse ever. She cried literally every day for years. So I made a vow to myself that I would make sure that for the rest of her life, she never begs or borrows or suffers again. Yeah. So my mother, I, I take care of my mother even with her, with, without her asking. So that is my reason why. So as you're in that country where you are in now, never ever forget your why. Mm-hmm. When challenges come your way, remember your why. Your why will tell you when to get up in the morning. Your why will tell you the kind of friends you should have. Your why will tell you the kind of job you should get. Never forget your why. Every single challenge that you face is part of the story. Your challenges have not come to stay, they have come to pass. They will build you and they will make you better. You just have to make sure that you don't get bitter over your experiences because life itself is painful, mm-hmm. but suffering is. is a choice. It's a choice. You know, so you either either you choose to suffer or you learn from the suffering, from, from the pain. So if you are new and you're in the country, you're struggling with your feet, you're struggling and you listen to this right now, I want to tell you whatever you're facing is not new. People have gone through it and they have overcome and they have won. Keep your dream alive. Amen. <laughs> I, I, so my, my spirit agree was that. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Mari, for those, uh, for those last motivating words. Um, I just want to want to give a, a shout out to uh, Patrick Ousu, who said I really like his courage and boldness by sharing his thoughts. Uh, a lot of uh, knowledge that you shared, uh, a lot of history as well. And uh, you helped us to really uh, well, have an urge to discover our why. Um, I need to, I need to, I know next year I'm already planning uh, my special guest that I have. I need to have you back on the show. I definitely need to have you back <laughs> to talk some more about, you know, what's going on in our community. Um, yes. Any last shout outs, uh, Mare? Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the whole uh, of African people all over the world. I want to tell you that we need to unite. Yeah. We need to come together. Um, Nigeria, Ghana, Ethiopia, we are, we're all created by um, colonial powers. We need to find a way to unite. You see, our ancestors told us that when spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. Mm-hmm. 
you know. And we Africans exhibited unity a little bit when Black Panther came out. We were all excited a over, about Black Panther. <laughs> and yeah. then through that, just the cinemas only, Black, Black Panther was able to make $850 million even before, even before the whole movies came out. Yeah. And let's say that 60% of, the, of that $850 million came from African people. But it then showed that we, we, we can be united. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget the vision of Kwame Nkrumah, the vision of Patrice Lumumba, the vision of Abafemi Awolowo. All yeah. of these men, they fought. They fought for the unity of Africa. Mm-hmm. So wherever you are right now, you are an ambassador of Africa. Represent Africa well and unite with your brother and sister so that we can move our generation to greater heights. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Thank you so much, uh, Mari, for making, uh, giving you. us giving us a bit of your time. You're also getting a last shout Thank out you. from uh, Lydia Jemfiu who says, that's so true, Africans need to unite. Um, well, yes. like I said, I am going to send you a new invite for next year to have you back. Could you drop some knowledge? <laughs> and um, I'll be, I'll be, I, I, I'm starting my, my tour. Uh, the Australian High Commission is sponsoring an, an, an event um, which I'll be hosting. Uh, that'll be is an Af- is an African tour. We're starting in Nigeria, um, starting wow. in Nigeria next year. So that's one of the BA. We're going to start an African tour. We are awakening the continent. We're going to awaken the continent to make black people start to think about what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Yeah. So that's happening soon. That yeah. is one is coming soon. So before that, we're going to talk to you again to help promote that. Okay. And uh, yes. urge everyone okay. uh, to listen because one of our uh, largest group of listeners is actually Nigerians. Uh, just so you know, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get the buzz going. Um, again, so much uh, thank you uh, for for catching up with us. I know you have a workout day and a working day because it's yeah. Monday at your yes, end. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, yes, it is. <laughs> God bless you so much. Yeah. And thank you for, for giving us your time. Of course, we're, we're going to talk uh, again uh, after this because I'll give you a call uh, later throughout the day. And um, again, okay. again, thank you so much. God bless. And um, thank you so much. Thank we you. will be talking to you very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Mare. Okay. Speak to you soon. Bye. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Africa on Focus, and our special guest uh, was Mare Obo coming all the way from uh, um, from Sydney. We just went a little bit over time, so Royal, shout out to Royal, our producer, has to forgive me a little bit, but it was so it was dropping knowledge, you know, so that I uh, I really had to give it time, and I'm excited to have him back on the show. For those of you listening on uh, Facebook, I dropped the link to his book, just 99 cents. Like, seriously, you should uh, uh, buy it. And it's called uh, Keys to Successful Migration, Africans Understanding Our Why. And uh, also know that we have a right to migrate, uh, but the right way to go about this is to actually have knowledge and how to go about when we're going to. Yeah. That's really much. What did you think of today, Donnie? What are your final words? It's <laughs> Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Allah. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle. <laughs>